Hello. Do you love The Echo? Well, good news. We've got a show for you. The Echo Show. To tell you more, here's Robin. Thanks, Sean. Let's have a flavour of what's in store. Yes, I'm ready. What? Was that a joke? I always love the escape room ones. Let's go with that. Okay, good. Good choice. Ominous. You are on the street. You have zero gold coins. This is one of my favourite skills. Just look at what you had there. Hello, my name's Pete and this is my pub quiz. Next up, history. This is a royal question. Gotta love the royals in chat. We're gonna we're gonna demo them and we're gonna rate them with our thumbs, apparently. So that's good. I can't wait. And if you still want to listen after hearing that, then please stay tuned. The Echo Show. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by motivational speaker, Quentin Jones. He is going to talk about how he got into speaking, all the positive things that he is doing to help you get over the hump. Quentin, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you, Curveball, man. It's a blessing to be here and a blessing to talk to you. Absolutely. Why don't you start off by giving the audience a little bit of background about yourself, anything you might want us to know about you? Well, first thing is really easy to find me. Just follow the hashtag QSpeaksLife on any of your um, social media things and any of those that are work. I've uh, been working with children for the last probably 15 years. been working with teams the last 20 years and really been moving my business towards uh, also working with groups and workplaces to help them get over the hump, like you've already said. Um, also, those that are caring for people, whoever caring for people, however that fits what you do. So like in nursing homes or teachers, educators, uh, service industries, all of that, What whoever is working with uh, the public on a first name basis, a lot of times I'm drawn to working with them. And what got me started in this is basically my great grandma who raised me. Uh, she always uh, told me that my mouth could get me in a lot of trouble. So now I'm trying to do good with the mouth that usually gets me in a lot of trouble. Um, so that's what builds on Q Speaks Life today to help people get over the hump and speak life into whatever situation is given to them. So you say you work with kids and teens. What do you do with them and what made you take that specific path because there's a lot of ways of speaking and a lot of different groups and people that you can speak to. Right. So really what started it, um, my, my master's is in marriage and family therapy. And I'm also uh, pursuing a PhD in marriage and family therapy. And what I started working with them is like getting the intern hours, youth, youth places always needed that and being an ex athlete, and a bigger guy, it came natural working with youth and teens that came from a similar background as mine. Um, last year was the first time I met my father and seen him in real life. So some kids that could uh, relate to that type of experience 
and that could relate with that type of background. I was a good listening ear from the marriage and family therapy skills and also communication skills on my bachelor's level. That gave me an opportunity to learn how to effectively communicate with people and get points across, you know, the most natural way. Um, so that's that's kind of where it started was from there. And as the more I grew up and more situations that happened to me, I found that God gave me an opportunity to turn negative things into positive things. And youth, like there's a lot of people when I was younger, uh, coaches, teachers, deacons, principals, um, librarians, all around that helped me along my way and helped be a lamp, a lamp unto my path. And so what I just try to do personally is to give that to, to kids and to groups and to workplaces and also teachers. I really like to speak to teachers a lot and just do my best to kind of uplift them and motivate them at their goals, whatever they may be. So when you talk about you started speaking to kids because of your background and you wanted to speak to people from similar backgrounds. Tell us what that background is, if you don't mind. So that way we know where you're coming from. Okay. So I grew up in East Texas. Um, wasn't raised by my mom. Wasn't raised by my father. Like I say, I just seen him um, in person for the first time uh, last year. So I was 35 years old when I very first met him in person. And I was raised with my great-grandparents and my great-grandparents, um, they did work that was similar to like what you see on the help. That's what my great-grandma did for a living. Um, there's a lot of times, you know, uh, getting across that, that gender barrier, not the gender, but the generation barrier uh, was not always easy for them to understand what I was trying to say and convey. And for me to understand the wholesome traditional values that they were trying to instill in me. So at that time, I, through the hard, through the school of hard knocks, I got an opportunity to figure out the traditional way of learning things and, and how to be a stand-up person from an older generation teaching me. Tying that in with being an athlete and wanting to be an athlete and getting grades and being dyslexic in elementary school and tying in and not wanting to listen at an early age, wanting to do my own thing, being pretty much of a hothead. That comes across a lot of times now with the um, generation that we have here now. I think what people are being told a lot of times, you can be whatever you want to be. And we tell our kids that, we tell our youth that you can be whatever we want, whatever they want to be. But sometimes we live leave out the part that we can be whatever we want to be, but we got to work hard for it. So I like to remind people that working hard is a part of your success. It's a part of your testimony. It's a part of your process. And so in my presentations, that's something that I like to try to get across and get, get to be uplifting and, and showing people that working out is fun. I mean, working hard is fun. Working hard, working hard is worth it. And a team atmosphere is the best way to go about things. So you say you were an athlete. What did you play? And did you make it to college on scholarship or anything like that? Uh, yes, sir. So I was a um, football player. I played tight end. Um, and I, I went to a Division II school in Arkansas named Henderson State. That's where my first 
stop was. Uh, started as a true freshman then my sophomore year. I ended up breaking my leg and need to have surgery. After a coaching change came there, I transferred. I transferred to Arkansas Monticello, where I then again broke the other leg. I guess I didn't learn the first time. But although while I was doing all the transferring and stuff, whatnot, I was still getting my grades and still getting my credits. And so I ended up graduating on time, maybe even a little bit earlier, and got my bachelor's there. And that's when I pretty much hung the cleats up. Gotcha. Sweet. So let's talk about when you say you help people get over the hump. Go into detail and describe what that means to you, helping people get over the hump. So the hump is a lot of different things, right? The hump is the loss of the grief that you're suffering at a time that you didn't see it coming. The hump is finding a way to manage your time well enough to where you can be a successful father and a successful businessman and a successful coworker or a successful employee. The hump is when the people around you don't seem like we're all on the same page. We're not all working or rolling in the same uh, direction on the boat. That's what the hump can be. And also for the youth, the hump can be is, I want to do well, but there are things that are holding me back. There are things I don't understand. I want to have fun. I don't want to um, instill in my education right now. I want to just have fun. I don't have an understanding of why it's so important for me to study this stuff that may, may or may not be in my future. The hump can be a parent trying to get across to a kid why school is so vitally important, why listening is so vitally important, why church is so vitally important when they have 15 other things as an adult to juggle. You know, the hump can it be something simple as people not talking to you or not being respectful for you on social media. You know, the, the hump comes in many different ways, but as we know about every hump, there's two sides to it and how to get down it and how to grow from it. And also the biggest part, how to gain momentum from coming down off the hump and rolling into your future. What would you say to kids who have the hump where they don't think school, education, listening, church, things like that are vitally important or a parent that's trying to get that across? Well, what they need to know is, you know, their life is ahead of them. Only if they take care of things and step one foot at a time. That's what sometimes we struggle, uh, even as adults, but definitely with kids, putting one foot in front of the other, taking the steps that need to be. A lot of times we want to get too grown, you know, uh, grown folks and old folks back in the past used to call it, we used to get too fast. Um, we want, we want the, um, we want the chicken before the, the egg even hatches. So what I try to do is just slow them down and understand that it's not the end of the world of what you're going through right now. Five hours at school of grueling work will never be able to encompass what your future will hold. And that five hours, five years from now, won't matter. There's, there's wisdom in hearing what people say. There's wisdom and you can learn from every person that you come in contact with. But once again, the wisdom of you having to know that you have to listen to acquire that wisdom and acquire that knowledge is paramount. 
So making it clear to them that the people that are also getting on to them are really trying to be light onto their path. They don't want them to stray away. And there's not very many adults that are going out of their way to push kids in the wrong direction. Sometimes tough love happens and it's not necessarily comfortable, but that's where the growth is. So let's talk about your marriage and family degree and the stuff that you're working on with that. Are you doing any kind of marriage and family stuff or are you just focused on kids and groups and stuff like that? So I get a chance to uh, use those systemic skills at, at my um, my day job, I like to call it. Um, I'm a, a residential manager of a boarding school. So I deal with youth and those type of things that are currently kind of mixed in together because of the setup that we have. So since we're a boarding school and we have like a residential setting, we have house parents. And so with the house parents, they mimic an actual family setting for the kids that we provide education to. Nine months out the year, 24-7. So those skills, the marriage and family skills or principles that I get to use are daily, daily used at my job, um, probably every 20 minutes. So far as me getting in the therapy room and working with couples, I do that very sparingly, um, not official. At this time, you know, because, you know, we can't play around with licenses and that type of stuff. But those type of skills, once you have them, they don't leave you. You can't even watch a movie the same after being taught marriage and family therapy. So what's what's the kind of stuff they, they teach you in marriage and family therapy and what kind of stuff would you be speaking to couples on if you were working with them? So systemic wise, systemic systemic training is the basis and the key of the training that I got. And that's really old school, Carmen Luch and Virginia Satir, those type of people. Uh, and so what, what that does is it looks at the family as a whole unit and looks at it trying to stay afloat in whatever situation it has. The, the, the whole unit is looking to be balanced wherever that may be. And so for the change to come into the system, so let's just say, uh, one spouse is dealing with substance abuse issues and that is bleeding onto the other spouse's lifestyle, is bleeding onto their time and is bleeding onto their success in their future. Since, since, the, since the system had already sustained that situation and moved around in such a way, maybe a person losing their job because of it, maybe a person not willing to go out on weekends and leave them at home by themselves, maybe a person not allowing their own self to go have a drink or go or go out to the club or something like that because it's so vital to the other person to stay away from those things. Or it may even cause somebody to, let's just say, have some inappropriate relationships to, to enablers that will allow them to participate in activities that the other spouse doesn't or is not comfortable with. That system is going to do its best to maintain that level. Although it's very discomforting for the people that's inside it, although it is not functionable for the way we see life, as a system, that couple can function like that. And the system has, has gained a, a level of what we call homeostasis with that. Now, for that change to happen, something definitely abrupt and consistent 
is going to have to change the system and not just like a band-aid change. It has to be a full system change. So the enabling has to stop. Uh, the person is going to have to want to stop drinking the, or whatever substance it may be. Um, the person that has been helping them staying away from things may have to take a different route, may have to be more supportive in such a way, and may even have to be more harder on them. So finding out those things that work for a couple and finding out the way that they can both accept the system and figure out a way to fix the things within it, because the system is going to function one way or the other. It may be dysfunction from the, from the outsider's eyes, but in a way, it's still functioning. And so finding a way to change the system overall so we can find a different way of functioning and a different way of homeostasis is the exact key. And I hate to get so, you know, deeply bogged down in those words and stuff, but that's, that's essentially what systemic training teaches you. Yeah, that's real. That's, that's the real. Do you have any projects or upcoming speaking engagements, any books, podcasts that you're currently involved in or working on that you'd like people to know about? Well, currently right now, what we're doing is we're fixing to release the uh, website again. I mean, it'd be great if people knew about that. QSpeaksLife.com. It is coming your way. Hopefully we can get a curveball to push it a little bit. That's what we're coming. But like, I'm, I'm open to doing a lot of Zooms right now with COVID. And, you know, that's something serious that we got to see. We definitely um, have to take that into consideration. So that doesn't, that that's kind of limited me some on some of the speaking engagements that I've been doing, but with Zoom and, and technology, there's always a way. So wherever there's a need, wherever there's an audience, wherever the ears are, I'm willing to fi- figure out a way to speak with them. Well, I know you got the Q Speaks Life, the hashtag. Tell us about what social media platforms you're on and and how we can follow you. Appreciate that, man. Instagram is there. That's a Quentin T. Jones underscore. We know we got Curveball on that. Um, Facebook, the Facebook page is there. Just search Quentin Jones or put in that hashtag in both cases. Twitter is going to be available. That's at Q Speaks Life. And LinkedIn as well, that's going to be Quentin Jones. You'll see the logo, Q Speaks Life there. Pretty much all of your major ones. TikTok, we got a couple of TikToks going right now. So we're just trying to stretch out because really what, what I want to do is I want to help people just like people help me, man. That's what, that's what it's all about. Any way I can take a couple minutes to help somebody, I want to be able to do that. Absolutely. Before we close it out, you got any final thoughts? Uh, you know, God first. He loves us all. He's already showed that. Just, I would love to get an opportunity to help anybody on their path, young or old, couple, group, family, teams, workplaces, and especially teachers and educators. Whatever I can do to help you, I want to do that. And I appreciate you, Kurt Ball, for getting me out here and giving me a chance to step out to your crew. Absolutely. Well, before we go, Let's talk about what you discuss with workplaces and teachers and educators. Let's get that in, too. Okay. So when I go to a school, you know, especially now with teachers, they need all the uplifting they can get. You know, they they have our kids, and they're the, I say it all the time, they're the most important pillars in communities. The future is where the importance should be 
and they're day in, day out working with the most important things in all of our lives. I know your children are the most important thing to you. My children are the most important thing to me. And so within that, there are the caregivers to them. So keeping them uplifted, keeping them focused and keeping them uh, their cup at least half full is a definite priority to me. And I think it should be a priority in America. Uh, with workplaces, you know, it's nothing. It's pretty common that people go into places that they don't feel the team atmosphere. It's pretty common that there is sometimes a um, mishap or there's a broken bridge amongst workplaces with teams that needs to be mended. So my workshops that I do with them to bring people together and also my speakings to remind them of that we're all looking at the same goal seem to be very helpful from the feedback that I get after them. Um, the managers that hire me to come in and work with their teams, they seem to find uh, help in what, in what I tell them and, and what we get to share with each other. And it always seems like it, it's going to be better after those conversations, after those talks. And then sometimes um, the managers, after the workshops and after the talks, they, think, they get to hear information that they didn't already know. They get to uh, get some insight that they didn't get to see. And once again, from an objective perspective, when somebody doesn't have a dog in a fight that's working with you, you definitely get a better understanding if somebody is looking for that understanding, you, they get a better understanding of what's the common goal for everybody. So that's some very um, enriching things for me. It's, every time I leave them, I'm a, I'm a little tired, but at the same time, I feel accomplished. And then when we go back and we wait two weeks or we wait two months, we do a study after that, we send out the, the questionnaire afterwards, we find out that it's been helpful and positive to every program. So ladies and gentlemen, if you have any kids, any teens, any couples, any groups, any workplaces, schools that need Q to come speak some life, get with him, QSpeaksLife.com. Quentin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curveball, man. I appreciate you. And listeners, please be sure to follow, rate, review, and share after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.